deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin! And this game is underway with a bang! This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Happy Friday, and we are, by the way, looking at a fantastic weekend of Wisconsin sports. It's almost a rivalry weekend this weekend, right? And and, and not to dive into local sports already, but tonight, Holman Central, talk about rivalry, right? The, The team that is trying to become the class of the conference is playing the team that has been the class of the conference. Tonight, that game is at UWL, but also streamed on our sister station, WIZM, big rivalry game. We have Packers-Vikings on Sunday, which is, I think, personally, right here where we live, on the border of Wisconsin and Minnesota, I think that's the biggest driver. I know Chicago Bears, Packers have been around forever, but but right now, Packers-Vikings, I think, takes the cake. That's an intense rivalry. And then Brewers-Cubs all weekend long, or Brewers-Cardinals, excuse me, lots of rivalries uh, all over the board this weekend, and we're going to cover them all today. I, I want to start with Brewers, and then and then we're going to close with Packers today. Uh, because the Packers and the Vikings do play on Sunday. I- I'm worried. I am nervous. This is a rivalry I do not enjoy. I maybe actually enjoy it less than Brewers-Cubs. I think there's an interesting component as well. The fact that, that Aaron Rodgers was injured against the Vikings and-, and Anthony Barr a couple of years ago. And I think that's only added to the rivalry. It's It's a rivalry I do not enjoy. Not that I enjoy the Brewers playing the Cardinals either. Let's start there. So Craig Council and the Brewers, seven in a row. Three against the Cubs, four against the Marlins, and have played their way back into contention for that second wild card spot. And not to get out over my skis, but if they have a really good weekend in St. Louis, and and the best possible scenario, of course, is a sweep, winning all three, they actually play themselves back into the division as well. Because the Cardinals are, are staring down the barrel at a bunch of games with the Cubs next week. The Cubs have everything to play for right now. So just maybe, just maybe, keep, keep that, tuck it in the back of your mind. Know that if the Brewers do great this weekend, they might just have a shot at the division as well. A lot of rivalries this weekend. We're going to talk about them all. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Hope your Friday is going well. Your weekend is off to a good start. We got a lot to cover today. We're going to join Rick Solom and Lacrosse Talk PM coming up at about 515, 516. Uh, and, and we're going to uh, unload our sports wisdom on to Rick Solom over on our sister station, WIZM. We're also going to talk Packers. An interesting trade rumor right now that the Packers are involved in. I want to get to that and then also look around the NFC North for this upcoming weekend because this weekend is oh so important. I know it's only week two, and you might think, oh, it's not the end of the world. No, for a couple teams in the NFC North, this weekend is uh, a big deal, and I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you more coming up later on in the show. Craig Council, as we start with the Brewers, Craig Council's got his work cut out for him this weekend. As a manager, right, it is your job to instill motivation in your players, right? Motivation came easy last weekend when the Brewers were playing the Cubs at Miller Park, right? The Brewers were staring basically down elimination, right? If they had a bad series, that was basically it. At home, in front of a rowdy, rowdy crowd of both Cubs fans and Brewers fans, it doesn't take much to get up for those games, right? It's pretty easy to be motivated as a player for a game like that, in an atmosphere like that. But then Craig Council takes his team down to Miami, in an empty ballpark, instead of playing for 45000 you're now playing for 7000 In an empty ballpark for a team and for a fan base that has absolutely nothing to play for. Craig Council kept his team up, kept the team motivated, and they were able to sweep the four-game series. 
Now, Craig Council takes his team into a totally different environment starting tonight as the Brewers travel to St. Louis. Now, the Cardinals, now, I mean, if the Cardinals play well and they beat the Brewers 2-3 or or sweep the Brewers, man, does that ding the Brewers' playoff chances. And and I got to think that as a Brewers rival, the Cardinals would take some joy in that. I think the Cardinals would love to put a huge ding in the Brewers' playoff chances, and they certainly could this weekend. Craig Council, once again, got to get his team motivated to play in a different environment, this time on the road, this time in front of a fan base and a team that are playing for the playoffs, that are playing for the division, a completely different environment. And if you've listened to the show at all this week, I have been so high on Craig Council because I think he's doing a great job. I think he has gotten this team out of the cellar, the the proverbial cellar, which was never lower than a couple games over 500, but but gotten to this team through a seven-game winning streak and back into playoff contention. I think he's done a great job motivating this team through different types of environments, through different situations, and I think he's done an incredible job with the pitching staff, especially the bullpen. Especially the bullpen. Starters, okay, they've been pretty good too. What's amazed me has been the bullpen, and I think Craig Council with a 40-man roster is just able to do things that I don't know if I've ever seen a manager do before. Find ways to win games. Find ways to get outs with pitchers who maybe have struggled to find a role or or have struggled to find success. For example, right, the Brewers acquired Ray Black and Drew Pomerantz. Those were their two trading deadline acquisitions outside of Jordan Lyles. So they're two relief pitchers, right? Since Ray Black has joined the Brewers, in 10 relief appearances, he has an ERA of 174. That's it. And you know what? He hasn't allowed a base runner in his last six outings. Hasn't allowed a run in his last eight outings. Ray Black pitching lights out. Drew Pomerantz, in his time with the Brewers, 18 games, has an ERA of 2.89, and that includes a save. And obviously, he was great in Miami yesterday. He struck out the side. Drew Pomerantz, Ray Black, not household names, not MLB superstars, but the Brewers bring him in. Craig Council gets some time to, to tinker with them, to find them a role in his bullpen, a role on his team. And once you know it, they're pitching great. They're playing great. Craig Council knows how to manage a bullpen, damn it. And you know that's going to come into play this weekend in St. Louis because St. Louis can pitch. Starting pitchers are great, right? They acquired Andrew Miller over the offseason. They've been trying to improve their bullpen as well. It's definitely going to come into play tonight. Definitely. Brewers-Cardinals three-game series tonight. Adrian Hauser and Adam Wainwright are going to go at it. Wainwright, Waka, Flaherty this weekend for the Cardinals. Oh, my God, that's running. That is running a gamut of incredible starting pitchers. It's going to take everything from the Brewers, and it's going to need continued elite-level relief pitching out of that bullpen, and I think Craig Council is just the man for the job. We got to talk a lot of Packers today. We're not going to talk any local action. We got that done yesterday. If you want a little bit of a preview, if you want uh, some nuggets of information regarding Holman and Central, that's the game of the week. Check out the podcast from yesterday's show at WKTYsports.com. We spoke with Drew Kelly. We're actually going to speak with Rick Solom of WIZM here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to give uh, our thoughts to Rick, uh, and he will reciprocate about this weekend and all the rivalries going on. Brewers Cardinals, Packers Vikings. And you know what? If he asks about Holman Central, uh, we'll talk about that as well. I want to leave you with this before we move off the Brewers. On September 5th, the Brewers lost to the Cubs. That was eight days ago now, right? Just a little bit over a week ago. Fangraphs, which is just one of many statistical sites, gave the Brewers a 5.5% chance to make the playoffs. Today, on September 13th, 
That has increased to 33.4%. It's pretty crazy what the Brewers are doing right now. And there's a lot on the line tonight. Brewers Cardinals, 715 first pitch right here on WKTY. We're going to take a quick break. Come back and join Lacrosse Talk PM with Rick Solom. I guess he's also joining the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. We're going to talk rivalries and all of the big games going on this weekend. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Play It Again Sports right here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. Hope you're having an awesome Friday, right? Weekend is off to a good start. It's a weekend of rivalries. Packers-Vikings, Brewers-Cardinals. And you know what? We got a little bit of negativity on the five-star telecom talking text line, 608-796-2558. Guy said, you said it weeks ago that this Brewers team is the biggest bunch of teases. Plays well against crappy teams. Get back into it just in time for the Cardinals to crush our hopes and dreams, just like usual. I hope that's not how this weekend turns out, Guy. I hope that this time it will be different. And that the the, the Cardinals will not crush the hopes and dreams uh, of the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's try to stay optimistic, at least until we have reason uh, reason to be negative and reason to be pessimistic. How does that sound? Uh, speaking of optimism, we're going to join Rick Solom, a host of Lacrosse Talk PM over on WIZM, our sister station, and and get his thoughts, talk a little bit about the sports rivalries going on this weekend. Rick, what's going on? Hey, man. Ready to score touchdowns, Lambo. <laughs> Talk sports, yeah, yeah. So it's Sports Friday for you over on your show. I know you were talking vaping earlier this week. You kind of cover all sorts of topics, but you like getting into sports once a week, don't you? Yeah, I got to do it because otherwise I just go insane. This is uh, true. Too much, too much. Uh, when we talk about news a lot, it's often depressing because that's all. That's often the most interesting is the depressing stuff. So yeah. I feel like if we could do sports for just a segment... If it runs long, it runs long. I don't mind <laughs> at all. But if we could do sports for just a segment, it'll it'll just kind of bring it back, kind of get me into a, a little bit of a, a normal routine. Like, just bring me down a little bit from all the, the chaos. Yeah, I got that. We've been very positive over here this week. I guess we'll start with the Brewers. I do want to talk about What are you Packers, talking Vikings. about? Christian Yelich is out for the season. Okay, well, yeah, that 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 part of it is that part of it sucks. I'm not going to lie. But the Brewers have won seven in a row, and they've given us reason to be excited. I, I think reason that we haven't had since really early this season. Season. The all win one for the Gipper. Exactly, exactly. So now we can, that's the that's the optimistic way to look at it, right? The Brewers will rally around Christian Yelich's injury. Uh, and I know, Rick, you are a huge NBA guy, and you watch football as well. What is your relationship with the Brewers, and what is your Brewers fandom exactly, if it, if, if any? I have Christian Yelich as the keeper on my fantasy baseball team. <laughs> there you go, that's all you need. <laughs> so I root for Christian Yelich. <laughs> Well, then I suppose you're, 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 you're rooting for the Brewers as well. Rick, in my experience with you, you probably, uh, you probably are, are a realist about sports. You probably call things as you see them, which might sometimes come across as negative. What are your thoughts on the Brewers right now? I know seven in a row, but they're staring down the, the face of their old rivals. I think a couple of my listeners are, are expecting the Cardinals to crush Brewers fans' dreams this weekend, just like they have for, for all of our lifetimes. Yeah, I'm captain, like, root for the underdog. So I feel like now the Brewers are, Really an underdog? When they had Yelich, I mean, they were still an underdog because the Cardinals always seem to have like, oh, look at all of a sudden the Cardinals have all these pitchers again that, yep. that kind of come and go and then they're good. And, um, so I, I really, like when, when you look at it too, it, this is a real underdog story that can happen, right? The Brewers could easily get two out of three from the Cardinals this week, right? Oh, yeah. Well, the Brewers could easily win two or three. They could easily get swept. This this could go a, a million different ways. I, and, and speaking of underdogs, Rick, it's funny. I was just talking with my listeners before you came on. 
a week ago, September 5th, which is actually eight days now, the Brewers had a 5.5% chance to make the playoffs. Eight days later now, today, that's up to 33.5%. Which is weird because in that time, Christian Yelich has gotten injured, right? You'd think that would tank, if not eliminate, the Brewers' playoff chances. But they keep winning games, seven in a row now. Yeah, they play the Marlins. <laughs> that <laughs> so. helps. Although, the Marlins, I mean, baseball's different, man. You, you get the Padres or, or the Marlins or, or any of these these lower-tier teams at the wrong time. And... and the Brewers? Yeah, the, the Brewers are a good example. The Marlins gave the Brewers fits earlier this year, right? The Padres gave the Brewers fits earlier this year. I don't think anything is a given. There's a more favorable matchup, but I don't think it's like the NFL or the NBA where you can just expect to, well, to walk in and have it be easy. It's because a new guy is on the mound every day, right? Like, so exactly. It's a different game every day because you know, if you got a righty on the mound and he's good, all your lefty batters are going to be better. You know, mm-hmm. like, so every day... Uh, any different bat, even any different hitter could be di- better or worse, depending yep. on what side of the mound the guy's, not side of the mound, but what arm the guy's throwing with. And then with football, as long as the quarterback's out there, you, you know, that then you have a shot. You kind of know what's coming. Baseball is, it is, that's a very good way to look at it, that every game is unique and everything shakes out differently. I, I'm more worried this weekend about Packers, Vikings, because you know what? Whatever happens with the Brewers, I, I have just learned to not expect and, and to not. I'm just going to sit back and watch at this point because I've tried to figure this team out and can. The Packers-Vikings game makes me a little bit more nervous. I actually hate the Packers-Vikings rivalry. I grew up closer to Minnesota than I did to Chicago. Packers and Vikings fans can get kind of nasty with each other. Yeah, but that's awesome. What do you mean nasty? (laughs) Well, like nasty in, in, in weird ways. Like Packers fans always default to the lame. The Vikings don't have a championship, which is very true. And if there are Vikings fans listening, until you win a ring... Packers fans will have that over you, and that's something you have to live with. Uh, but then the, 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 with the whole Anthony Barr injuring Aaron Rodgers, and that somehow became a rallying cry for a franchise, and it's it's been nasty, and it's been weird at times. This is not a rivalry. Yeah, I would I just enjoy. say, like, maybe a sad rivalry in terms of what you argue against. Yeah, I, that, maybe that's the right way to look at it. It's not very fun either. Like, um, you guys have Kirk Cousins, Vikings fans, so... <laughs> like, if if the Vikings win at all, it's because Kirk Cousins just beat you, and maybe that's a sad that's a sad state of affairs for the Packers. Yeah, maybe. And I know Rick, you live over on the other side of the river in Minnesota. I guess I don't know your upbringing, Rick. We'll have to learn that I'm, story. But... I'm from Appleton, so like oh, okay. I grew up, but I kind of despise Packer fans because we've been spoiled since Brett Favre. Sure, we've been spoiled for what twenty years, and that's a bad thing. No, yes, because all those Packer fans are spoiled. I've been to, I think the Packers are 8-0 and when I go to Lambeau Field. And I've seen Brett Favre boot off the field at halftime three times. Yeah. But I've never seen the Packers lose, if you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. So spoiled Packer fans are booing Brett Favre off the field. And I guess maybe they have a right to do that. But I'm like, uh, it's Brett Favre. We don't boo this dude. I, I And I would tend to agree. I just... I would be against booing your own team if at all possible. Like, if your team's getting blowed out, you know, 42 to nothing. But like the Bears, the Bears are getting booed last week and one of their players actually stepped up and said, come on, we don't we don't need to do that here. Like we'd prefer you don't do that. And I get that. I don't know if I ever am a fan of of fans booing their own team. Didn't the Bears pick that Mitchell Trubisky guy yeah. over Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, maybe that is worth a boo. Maybe. <laughs> Definitely worth some boos. I think and so. And they like traded up to get Trubisky. Oh yeah, they? they doubled down on Trubisky. Like it wasn't, ah, who should we take? Like they, they knew or they thought they knew. So what's more interesting going into the weekend? The Packers Cardinals because 
that's for the division. If the pa- the Packers Cardinals, the the Brewers Cardinals, yep. because if the Brewers somehow chip away at that four game lead, the Brewers get a bye week. Or is that how that works? Do they get a bye if they win the division? Well, yeah, essentially the baseball's equivalent of a bye, right? So there's two wild card teams. Yeah. And those two wildcard teams have to play a one-game winner-takes-all. So the winner moves on, and then you get to move into the National League Divisional Series, right? So if you win your division, you get a, a, the benefit of a full series, right? You don't have to play a one-game winner-takes-all, which is what the wildcard teams will have to do. So obviously it's it's advantageous for the Brewers to win the division. I, I'm not going to talk about that until after this weekend. Because okay. if the Brewers win two of three or they win all three, then it's on the table because the Cardinals have to play a bunch of games against the Cubs next week. I believe a, a three and a four game series, seven games before the end of the season. And the Cubs have everything to play for, right? The Cubs are in danger of missing the playoffs, which can absolutely not happen. So, you know, the Cardinals are going to get the best punch from the Cubs, the best chance from the Cubs, which means maybe the Brewers can gain a couple of games on the Cardinals. I don't know, but I'm going to wait until after this weekend to, to, to try to figure that out. Yeah, I looked at the, all the Brewer Cardinal matchups and they're all pretty nice, like Chase Anderson, Waka yep. and Jordan Lyles versus Flaherty. That's who you'd want if you want to put your best, ver- you know, like your best versus their best and Hauser tonight against Wainwright, which is actually, you know, five years ago, that would have been a Cardinals victory, but yeah. now, well, because maybe Hauser wasn't playing, but uh, Wainwright is is human in the, now. But uh, when you look at like this, the, and it's funny if you scroll down on ESPN's little preview. Yep, top hitters Christian Yelich, and then you if you think about it, oh yeah, the Cardinals they traded for that Paul Goldschmidt uh, guy. <laughs> don't remind me. Oh my so, god. So they have like you know they they just they have they they always have an answer for always. for everything. They're well, all they're always there. Uh, yeah, if they, but I, but I, baseball is a weird sport, and it doesn't really matter because everyone hits like two fifty. So you you never know who's who's going to be on, and and any I think any of these games could be won for the Brewers. Oh yeah, and players go through hot streaks and cold streaks. It's just about you know putting it all together at the right time, which I think Craig Council has done a really good job of two years ago, last year, and and so far this year uh, in the last month of the season. I'm really intrigued by Brewers. Or Packers, Vikings. You got me messing up my teams. Well, that's too. what I was going to say. Are we, so you're going to wait until Monday before you really think about the Brewers. So right now, like, like we can get into this a little bit. Packers, Vikings. Uh, we, we it's so interesting, and it's almost like we don't know what either of these teams are. You you are of the mindset that the Packers have a great defense. I think the Packers defense is still questionable. We just played Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears inept offense, and I think. I think uh, maybe this week we'll get a better, a better, I guess, idea of what the Packers' defense can be because Dalvin Cook's a good running back. There's two offensive weapons uh, at wideout. They've got a decent tight end. And Kirk Cousins, although he can't beat teams over 500, he is Serviceable? decent. He's a decent quarterback. So this is where this is where we start to gauge i think if the packers did improve on defense yeah and, and rick I, I think both can be true right the packers can have a good defense and also have played mitchell trubisky like those two things can exist at the same time i, I don't know how great the packers defense is i'm not anointing them a top 5 or a, a top defense in the nfc or the nfl but if they're top 10 that's good enough, and that's a huge improvement on what they've been. I think they're good, and they played Mitchell Trubisky last week, which is why they only allowed three points. When was the last time you only saw a team score three points in this in this version of the NFL where offense is everything? You don't see that. Very yeah, often. or or just like a Packers defense. So there's two things in the past couple of years that have bugged me about Packers fans. Yep. Or the Packers in general. One, the defense has always been bad, right? Like we we're, we're gonna blame Dom Capers if the defense is bad, right? And he's mm-hmm. gone now a couple of years. 
Um, and if the offense is bad, we're going to fire Mike McCarthy, which we finally did. And then we brought in some retread former Dolphins coach to, to coach to the last yeah, bit of the last year. And now, like, the, so those two excuses are gone, right? Like, we, oh, can't, yeah. we can't say we're going to fire Matt LaFleur. And we can't say we're going to fire the old Browns coach who's the D coordinator, right? Yeah, Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin, right? Or can we do that yet? If the Packers start, if they start fl- sucking on defense, can we... Can we do the Mike Pettin needs to be fired? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think you probably could. I just don't think, I honestly don't think that's in the realm of possibility. They 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 invest, unless everybody gets hurt, in which case then that's the excuse. That's the reason. They invested in two premier pass rushers. They drafted one safety and brought in another, both of which made big plays last week. Yeah, well, and, one and, knew and the secondary. Bears offense, so that, I mean, he was a former Bears safety. You I still, still suspect. You still got you still got to make the play, though. I mean, <laughs> the ball doesn't catch itself. You saw Kevin King drop a, a ball last week. Well, I so. saw I saw uh, Trubisky throw in the end zone to double coverage. That's what I saw, and 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 that happens, and you need to make sure you have the personnel that can take advantage of that and read that play and go get the ball. Mahomes would have scored. I'm not, well, not on that throw. I'm not (laughs) claiming that the Bears have an otherworldly offense, but the Packers defense can be good and have played a bad opponent. Like, those two things, both can be true. Yes, and that's why I'm holding my breath until after the weekend on that. You're holding your breath on the Brewers, where I'm like all in. I'm like, the Brewers are going to win two out of three here against the Cardinals. And they're going to pull. They they have a chance to go into the get into this division race where four games seemed out of out of touch, which seems weird to me. Four games, all oh, the Cardinals got it locked up. Um, they play against each other for three. Yeah. If we get cut this in half, it's a series. Yeah. Or, you know, it's a division race again. Um, and I'm holding my breath on the Packers because it's week one, and and the week ones are always weird, especially when you play on a Thursday night because teams just don't do. Even if it's the first game of the year, Thursday night's always weird. And uh, we saw that last night a little bit too, right? Uh, so I'm holding my breath on the Packers while you hold your breath on the Brewers. Yeah, and I think that a wait-and-see approach is always good. I, I'm not going to hold my breath on a couple teams in the NFC North because I think a couple of teams have an absolute must-win game this weekend, and I'm going to talk about that coming up in my show. Yep. We're going to talk about some trade rumors and other things. What are you talking about over there for the rest of your show? Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna talk about this couple that got $120,000. In, in a bank error and then spent it and now are in trouble and how we go after people like that and then we don't go after uh, stuff like the opioid corporations that kill a whole bunch of people because of opioid. So you're going to dive deep. You're, you're going to dive some, pretty deep. Yeah, you're into some also, serious there was stuff a shooting, today. Also shooting last night in lacrosse too, like a shots fired situation. So sure. we're going to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you got a lot of serious stuff. Good luck over there. Yeah, Rick. I'm sweating now just thinking about how I'm going to manage all this. <laughs> Have a good rest of your show, all right, man. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, I'll talk to you next week. That's Rick Solom of Lacrosse Talk PM on our sister station, WIZM. And, and we like to... Uh, to Bring sports into his world and give him some relief from all of the nasty news uh, that's going on in our area. And it seems all of the time. So we're going to continue to talk Packers. Do you see the trade rumor they're involved in? I, I'm I'm all for this. If you follow me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant, I I am I am all for this. I'll tell uh, I'll tell you about that trade scenario and how I think that the season begins and ends this weekend for two NFC North teams. So we'll do all that. This is the Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports right here on WKTY. Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM 580 AM. You can always listen on our mobile app. Take us with you uh, wherever you go or at our website WKTY Sports.com. 
Good to talk some Packers, some Brewers, the big rivalries going on this weekend. Brewers Cardinals, Packers Vikings. Able to talk uh, to Rick Solom, our co- cohort on our sister station, WIZM, uh, and his show, Lacrosse Talk PM. Provide, uh, provide him with a little bit of enlightenment about sports, right? Uh, a bit of lighthearted talk to, to take him away from the news and the election and politics and and angry people as a whole. I, I want to talk Packers because I think that is the big matchup this weekend. As important as every game is for the Brewers right now. And they are all important. I want to see how this weekend goes. Seven in a row. I I, I want to say the Brewers could win every game the rest of the season. But I, I, that's just not really realistic. So at some point they're going to have to lose. How do they deal with that loss? I, I think that might happen this weekend. And, and the overall result of this series might tell us a lot about how this season's going to end up. So I'm going to take a wait and see approach with the Brewers. The Packers and the Vikings, however, is, is a very interesting situation. And the Packers have found themselves uh, in some trade rumors the last couple of days, which you typically don't see in week two of the season, which has been fascinating, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Now, for the last two or three years, the Packers have been doing something really smart. Right, they they knew they had to pay Aaron Rodgers. They knew they were going to have to unload a bunch of cash uh, and a big percentage of their cap to Aaron Rodgers when they re-signed him. Right, when they gave him that contract extension, uh, was that last fall? It would have been last fall, right? So in the draft, they've been building their defense. Now you could also build your defense through free agency, but that's going to take a lot more of your cap space. That's going to take a lot more money. Right, draft picks are cheap. You have a four-year rookie contract and then that fifth-year team option, which means you can have them for five years at a really good price. At least that's how the current collective bargaining agreement is set up. I doubt it's going to be that way in a couple of years. But as of right now, draft picks, young players are really, really cheap. And you can bring them up through your system. You can teach them to play how you want them to play and fit them and mold them uh, for Dom Capers and his defense. And the Packers have been loading up in the draft on defense, right? Because at some point, they knew we're going to have to pay Aaron Rodgers, and free agency is just probably not going to be an option that's on the table. We are not going to be able to build our defense through free agency. It's going to be too expensive. Now, this year, they went out and got a couple of guys, really before the the heft of that Aaron Rodgers contract kicked in. So the Packers have been building their D, right? A lot of young players, especially in that secondary. Kenny Clark up front, right? And now Darnell Savage on the back end, and they paired him with Adrian Amos, who's, who's a young player as well. Well, meanwhile, the Dolphins... Are, are they? They are awful. They they were murdered and left for dead in Miami last week uh, against Lamar Jackson. Were, what were they beat like fifty three to ten or something like that? It was a ridiculous final score. Killed. The Dolphins are going to tank, and they are tanking to a level that you don't normally see in the NFL. Right in the NBA, it's very clear. Our goal is to lose as many games as possible. Right, the NFL sixteen games. For the most part, it can kind of be anyone's game. Any team can get hot. Any team can win games. And and maybe, just maybe, make the playoffs. The NBA is a little bit different. 82 regular season games, right? The, the cream rises to the top. The NFL, not so much. You don't typically, typically see teams tank to to a, this extreme. The Dolphins are going to do that. And, and a lot of players, after last week's blowout, said, okay, well, we want to trade. Went to their agent, went to the front office, and said, trade us. Which is fair. Which is not unreasonable, because football careers are so short. These players have to make money while they can, while they're healthy. And to hold high-level players, ascending players, or players in their prime on a team that's just going nowhere is not fair. So it's fair for these players to request a trade and to want out. They already traded away Laramie Tunsil, their their tackle, their high draft pick from a couple of years ago that had the whole <laughs> gas mask bong incident, right? But a good ascending young tackle, very important position. And Kenny Stills was traded away uh, also to Houston. Now it sounds like Minka Fitzpatrick wants a trade. 
That might be a familiar name to Packers fans. That was a player that, that the Packers were very high on in the draft a year ago. Possibly were even willing to trade up to get him. Right? Remember that? Well, he wants out. I want the Packers to trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. I do. I, I think it would be a brilliant move for a lot of different reasons. First of all, this Packers defense, I find to be very good. You just heard our conversation with Rick. I think they're a top 10 defense. I think they're great. I'm not, I'm not losing all sense after last week. Like I said, the Packers defense can be good and have played a bad opponent. Those two things can exist at the same time. And I think they are. I, th- I think the Bears had a terrible week offensively, but I think the Packers defense is much improved. There's finally some talent on that team for Mike Pettin to manipulate and scheme and actually make some plays, make some stops, force some turnovers. So you might be tempted to say, okay, good enough. The Packers have built their defense. It is a finished product. Let's go compete. Try to get back into the playoffs and eventually try to contend for a Super Bowl once again. For the first time, realistically, really since 2014. I know they had a great magical run at the end of 2016, but that team wasn't good enough. And you saw it finally in the NFC Championship game. I think the Packers should trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. I loved him coming out of Alabama. Let's be real. Everybody loved him coming out of Alabama. Very versatile player. I can play corner, slot corner, which is becoming more and more of an important position in in this day and age where defenses have more defensive backs on the field. You need more bodies. And a slot corner is a guy who can cover wide receivers, tight ends, be responsible for running backs coming out of the backfield. There's a lot in their plate. That's why Micah Hyde was so good, right? Bryce Callahan for the Bears last year, who is now gone. A very important piece of that defense. Very versatile. Master of everything, right? That's Minka Fitzpatrick. And by all accounts, from everything we read in the draft and everything we've heard since, a fantastic individual. You would be adding Minka Fitzpatrick, who's 22, who's young and ascending and still under cheap team control for a couple of years. You would be adding him to a secondary, playing alongside Jair Alexander and Kevin King. Jair Alexander's 22, Kevin King's 24. Young, ascending, cheap talent that the Packers have drafted the last couple of years. You pair two safeties that the Packers, that very deep defensive backfield, right, with Adrian Amos and and Darnell Savage Jr. Adrian Amos, they brought him in at just age 26 in his prime. Darnell Savage is only 22 and looked really good, showed a lot of promise last week. You got Kenny Clark up front, who's only 23. Kenny Clark is only 23 years old. And I think he is in the conversation for top five defensive linemen in the league, interior linemen in the league, right? Fletcher Cox, Aaron Donald, probably Jarrett Grady in Atlanta, and Kenny Clark. He's right in that conversation, and he's only 23. And of course, you just signed your outside linebackers. Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, they look like the real deal, at least until this point. And those two players give Mike Patton the flexibility to do what he wants on defense. You go and you add Minka Fitzpatrick to that group, who's only 22, who's under contract through 2021, and you get that fifth-year option, right, as the CBA is currently constituted. His salary cap hit for the next couple of years ranges from anywhere to just over $1 million to just over $2 million. Nothing. Play safety. Play corner. Play slot corner, which is becoming more and more of an important position. Last year in his rookie year, 80 tackles, 9 passes defensed, and 2 interceptions. That was his rookie year on a mostly dysfunctional Dolphins team. Go get Minka Fitzpatrick. And everyone's saying, well, the price is too high. Well, look at it this way. The Packers were willing to not only spend a first-round pick on this player in last year's draft, but they were willing to trade up to get him. So you're telling me a year ago that he was worth 
a top 10 pick and, and also a later pick, right? Capital that would have taken to move up. You were willing to spend two draft picks on him, including a top 10 or a top 12 a year ago, but you're not willing to give up a second or a third? Why? I know GMs hoard picks like nobody's business. They don't want to give them up. But consider consider the situation. Consider the context. We're approaching the end of Aaron Rodgers' career. And let's be real, I need to see a little bit more of Aaron Rodgers because I'm concerned he's never going to get back to the level that he was at before. Still a great quarterback, but I'm still a little bit on edge until I see a great performance. You only got a couple of years left. You already pushed some chips into the middle of the table by signing Adrian Amos, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Billy Turner. You went out into free agency, and you know what? It won you a game in week one. You went all in. You fired your head coach of 14 years, your Super Bowl winning head coach, to bring in an unproven guy who brought in his own offensive coordinator, his own special teams coordinator, and now you have moved away from Dom Capers into Mike Patton. You are going all in to win with Aaron Rodgers and this iteration of this Packers team. Let's say it takes a second-round pick to get Minka Fitzpatrick. First of all, the Packers haven't had a great record with second-round picks. Remember Jason Spriggs? And also, for that player to come of age and to reach their prime, it's going to take a couple of years, which will probably put that player in their prime at the end or past the end of Aaron Rodgers' career, which is of no use to this current Packers team. Don't wait on draft picks. Take a draft pick and turn it into Minka Fitzpatrick. Microwave the process a little bit. Instead of drafting a player in the second round, you get a first-round talent player a year and a half into his career, meaning he's got a little football under his belt, feels comfortable, feels good, and you can tuck him onto that Packers defense. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, where are you going to play him? You got Josh Jackson, Tremont Williams, Jair Alexander, Kevin King. You like Tony Brown. Where is he going to go? I, it'll figure itself out. The best, the best three or four secondary players will make their way onto the field. The Patriots just went and got Antonio Brown. They got Josh Gordon. right? They got Dorsett. They got Edelman. They might get Gronkowski back. And their backfield is stacked as well. And they didn't care because they're trying to win, because they know Tom Brady only has so much time left, and draft picks are only of so much value to them, even though it didn't take draft picks to get Antonio Brown. Go get Minka Fitzpatrick. He could be Micah Hyde. He could be what Micah Hyde was to the Packers in 2014, or even in 2016, which, let's be real, he was like the only good player on the defense in 2016. He could be what Micah Hyde was, but when you surround a Swiss Army knife with excellent players at their respective position... Well, now that Swiss Army Knife doesn't have to be amazing at one thing. He can float. He can make plays. He can read the quarterback, cover the tight end, cover a wide receiver, play safety. Minka Fitzpatrick to the Packers makes a lot of sense. I hope Brian Gutekunst goes more in depth with those phone calls than seventh round pick. No? All right. Thank you. Have a good day. I hope the negotiations, I hope the prodding goes a little bit farther than that because he's a really good player. Really good player. And the Packers wanted him in the first place last year. We're willing to trade up to get him. I don't know why their, their MO now has changed. Well, if it's not a seventh-round pick, we're not, we're not paying for him. That just doesn't make sense. I think this weekend is so big, maybe not for the Packers and the Vikings, but I think the Bears and the Lions seasons start and end this weekend. Two must-win games. Let me explain why coming up next. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show for the week right here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for being here. I'm looking forward to a weekend of some good sports. Holman and Central, that's the game of the week, and that will be broadcast tonight starting at 
on our sister station, WIZM. Of course, that game being played right up the hill at UWL. We'll have the Brewers and the Cardinals all weekend long, and of course, Packers-Vikings on Sunday. Can't wait for more football. Another full Sunday of football. For some teams in the NFC North, I I think it's a must-win this week. I think their season begins and ends upcoming this Sunday. And I think it's probably pretty clear what those, which teams those are, right? The Bears and the Lions. One team tied last week, one team lost last week. One to the Packers, and then the Lions, of course, tying the Cardinals. I know you can't overreact to week one. Everybody does, but I, you, you, you can't. Right? One win and one loss does not make a season. It does not decide the rest of the season. It's just one game. And understand that. I'm not overreacting to week one. But things get real really, really fast. Right? The NFL is played fast. The season moves fast. You know this. We're, we're going to blink our eye and we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving and then we're going to blink again and it's going to be Super Bowl Sunday. That's how quickly it goes. The NFL moves so quickly and things get real really, really, really fast. Happens every year. Now, the Packers and the Vikings are both in great spots at 1-0. Now, the winner of this Sunday's game is going to be in a great spot because they'll be able to say they are on top of the NFC North only two weeks in. That doesn't happen very often, right? Best case scenario uh, for the Packers or for the Vikings, they go 2-0 and the rest of the teams are either 1-1 or or I guess the the lines would be 1-0-1 or 0-1-1. The tie just just makes it impossible. But the winner of Packers-Vikings this Sunday at noon is going to be alone atop the NFC North only two weeks in, which is a big advantage. And because the Bears lost in division play and because the Lions tied, it, it makes things easier for that winning team to separate themselves atop the division. Now, the Packers and the Vikings, either team can win or lose this weekend, and I don't think it derails their season. I don't think it it, it changes their mentality. It's just a simple division win or a loss. But, obviously, Packers and Vikings fan, you know that making the playoffs starts and ends with winning in your division. So let's look within the division outside of the Packers and the Vikings. Let's start with the Lions. In my preseason predictions, which we did, I think, two weeks ago, and I have them pinned on my profile on Twitter, at Grant. if you're really so curious, I actually think the Lions are going to compete for the division this year, and I think they are going to shoot for 10 and 6, or even better. Because I think Matt Stafford is a good quarterback, but I love their defense. I love their pass rush. They have a couple great pass rushers, and they have a great corner in Darius Slay, which is the basis, I think, which where all good teams are built, right? You need good, strong players up front. Games are still won in the trenches, and you need one great corner. Bill Belichick will play, pay Stephon Gilmore, right? He'll play, he'll pay a corner. He doesn't pay anyone. I like what the Lions are doing. But last weekend, stunk on ice, right? They blew a huge second-half lead and lost to Kyler Murray in his first regular season NFL start, or, or lost. It was essentially a loss. It was a tie. The Lions need to win this Sunday, not because they can't win games down the stretch, or not because 0-1-1 oh, is a death sentence. See how be- confusing that becomes. But the Lions need to win badly, because after this weekend, after this weekend, where they host the Chargers at home, it's a noon game that should be winnable. For the Lions. I haven't looked at the line, but that should be a winnable game for the Lions. After the Chargers, they go to Philly, they host the Chiefs, they go to Green Bay, and then they host the Vikings. Now, if the Lions lose this upcoming Sunday, which would put them at 0-1-1, and I don't think they're going to win in Philly, I don't think they're going to beat the Chiefs, and I don't think they're going to be in Green Bay. So then they would be 0-4-1. 
just because of the nature of the schedule. Not necessarily indicative of how good of a team they are, but you know what? Your win-loss record doesn't matter how good of a team you are. You don't have to be good, you just have to win. And if the Lions aren't able to beat the Chargers at home, I don't like their chances going into Philly. I don't like their chances hosting Patrick Mahomes, who I find much better than Phillip Rivers, and I don't think they're going to win in Green Bay, and I don't think they're going to beat the Vikings. So 0-4-1 becomes very realistic for this Lions team, which is why winning this weekend is huge. To get some of that momentum back, get a win in the win column, and, and, and brace yourself for a really tough portion of the schedule. If the Lions win this weekend, oh boy. They're in a bad spot. The Bears need to win because the Bears cannot go 0-2. The Bears went 12-4 and last year. They won the division. There is going to be a team that goes 2-0. Either the Packers or the Vikings. One of those two teams is going to be 2-0. If they tie again, I'm quitting sports. One of those two teams is going to be 2-0. And if the Bears lose again, they're 0-2, and they're two full games behind the division lead two full weeks into the season. Oh, that's tough. Now Mitchell Trubisky feels a little bit even more pressure, right? Matt Nagy feels a little bit more pressure. And everything gets more difficult. And let's be real here. The task for the Bears this upcoming weekend is not easy. They go to Denver, which is a very difficult place to play, against a team that's coached by Vic Fangio, who was in Chicago last year. So if any defensive mind knows Matt Nagy and knows Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears, it's Vic Fangio who, let's be real, even if he wasn't in Chicago and didn't have any background information on the Bears, is still one of the best defensive minds in the league. And him, as a defensive coordinator, has stood the test of time, right? was in San Francisco, was in Chicago. He's built great defenses everywhere, which is why he finally got a head coaching job. And I hope he does well, because he seems like such a good guy, and I want him to do well. But that's secondary. The Bears need to beat him. Because if not, they'll be two full games behind, either the Packers or the Vikings. And you know what? The Packers have a bunch of winnable games coming up at home. That's the important part. The NFC is a gamut. The NFC North is a gamut that all these teams are going to have to run. But the Packers have so many home games coming up. The Lions have so many difficult games on the road and at home coming up. The Bears need to keep pace. They cannot go 0-2 after last year. They can't go 0-2 because everybody starts to feel the pressure, including Mitchell Trubisky, who, you know what, I think is is maybe a little bit vulnerable to, to feeling the outside noise, to feeling the pressure and to getting the yips. Is that opening night performance? I, I think he felt the bright lights. I think he felt the expectations. Whereas Aaron Rodgers, maybe not so much, and I actually think that was the difference in the game. Aaron Rodgers able to make a couple of plays. Mitchell Trubisky just, I think he had the yips. He was deer in the headlights. The Bears cannot go 0-2 because those problems will start to compound themselves. It will get more difficult and more difficult for the Bears to to actually dig their way out. Obviously, if they start 0-2, two full games behind either the Packers or the Vikings. I think the Packers or the Vikings can win or lose this weekend, and I don't think it means a whole lot of anything. It's a Week 2 game. I think it probably means more for the Vikings... Packers are dealing with a new head coach, new offensive system. They can afford a loss. The Vikings can afford a loss, too. The Bears, not so much this weekend. The Lions, oh, Lord, no. They need to beat the Chargers. They ain't winning in Philly. They ain't beating the Chiefs. They ain't winning in Lambeau. And they're probably not going to beat the Vikings when the Vikings come to town on October 20th. Lions need to win. Bears need to win. Vikings and Packers fans, I know it's a rivalry game, and I know the stakes are high or they feel high, but we can kind of kick back and relax. Because I don't this I don't think this weekend's game, in the grand scheme of things, when we look back after week 17, I don't think we're going to remember this game as a turning point. I think we're going to remember this game as a week two matchup that was a strong rivalry. That's it.
Enjoy the weekend. Packers will be on WKTY on Sunday. Pre-game starts at 10. Logan Central tonight on WIZM. Brewers here on WKTY. Enjoy all the sports this weekend. Can't wait to be back on Monday to talk about it.